So, Cal, when are you going to have children? That's, that's an interesting question to over the podcast with. Um, I, I consider all of our listeners my children. So, in a way, I've already got a hundred of them. I've already got loads of children. Uh, every single person listening to this right now, I'm your dad, and Scott is your mum. All right. Okay. I see. We've asked for dynamic for him. I think I think that would hmm would that be the dynamic? I would don't you... know. I feel I feel like we'd be just sort of life partners. In a way, <laughs> we are we are life partners, really, <laughs> yeah. uh, in, a, in a in a non romantic way. But if you were to take it in that direction, um, uh, I I think it would be a sort of um, Dom switch situation. <laughs> Wait, occasionally we switch from dad to mum. Yeah. <laughs> You got no, I'm, I'm not saying one person in the cup has to be dominant and not. It's you know you can have also. I think for us though, we would probably we probably spice it up every so often. Okay, but right by yeah by, by just yeah by just sort of changing the dynamic a bit. Okay, yeah, it just keep keep all all of our children on their toes. Oh yeah. Okay, well that's, well, that's you never know. <laughs> all right. This is this is maybe this one is of the, the, this is one of the short... weirder. <laughs> A short cartoon idea, an animated sketch. A, a child who doesn't know which one's his dad and which one's his mum. <laughs> I, I feel like that's a backstory for a character we'd write. Yeah, like 100%. A, we, we'd write a script and then we'd put that in. <laughs> the, the, just one of the characters doesn't know which way round it is for their parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like just an off the, off the cuff sort of thing. I was going to talk to you actually off the podcast about uh, this because the BBC's writer's thing is in December so we've got to think about whether oh, we want yeah. to, whether we want to right. something for that but I want that's to, far enough away we could try and do so I but will. they're getting their budget cut yeah but so now's the time to get in they, they need the cheap yeah. stuff oh yeah they and we'll the, do it real we'll, cheap we'll do it real cheap they, they've heard this podcast <laughs> no, no, just, uh, just this this on um on just live put this on stage this on stage uh, and then film it on stage and put it out on TV there you go We've got there's there's the, we don't even have to write it easy easy because you certainly couldn't write this kind of shit we're chatting about. <laughs> welcome to the Nerd Under. How, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm glad to do the welcome to the Nerd Under Geek oh, podcast hello. though. Uh, so let me do that. Welcome to the Nerd Under Geek podcast episode eighty going out on Monday the thirtieth of May, almost in June. Uh, I am Cal Doughty, your host as always, and I am joined. By a man who reckons he could beat Serena Williams in a tennis match. Strong words. Brave words. It's everybody's friend, Scott Hunter. I just think if I trained every day and like she's... No, no offence to Serena. She's a great athlete. She's not getting any younger. <laughs> All right. Uh, not, not that I am either. No, no. It's, but it's I've got no how, many, how many years do I have on Serena Williams? Serena Williams is forty. She was ten years older than me. Forty years go. old. So really, if I trained as hard as I can, I might be in with a shot. But as Maybe. you're training, is she? Not, are you suggesting that from this from the point of your training, she's not training? Oh yeah, Serena, she's just deteriorating. Yeah, that's okay. not fair. That's not... You've, you've got to stop. <laughs> Training at work um, this week uh, is it was um, this is a great way to start a sentence. Uh, you tell I've been off for three weeks at work this week. They they were talking about a five k like month thing and like trying to yeah. encourage everyone to five do a five k. Yeah, 
I feel like I wouldn't. If someone asked me for to give them money for charity because they were doing a five k, I feel like I'd say no, because I don't. I don't think that's impress impressive. That's like no, because that happens at like every weekend at like your local park. Yeah, I I, I looked up how many steps it is for a five k. If you're walking, that's six thousand steps, which I think I do easily, not even trying every day. Mm. Uh, and if you're jogging, that's all running. That's four thousand steps. So uh, I've always thought it was like sponsored like events and stuff for charity i guess it's just to kind of give people a thing rather than just asking them for money is to kind of give them a thing to to focus on but i've always thought it was a bit weird of like do you want to give money to charity oh no i'm not interested what if i did like a little thing what yeah. if I, it means to you first oh maybe i guess yeah uh, what it, if i put myself through something difficult or you gotta do this to encourage me to I do mean, this I, I guess i understand it but it's like a it's, it's like a, a weird thing it's a weird thing it's, um, it's like an event that you can organise around, but it's just, uh, I think, slightly odd. Yeah, uh, I reckon I could do it with no prep. I reckon I could do a 5K. Yeah, probably. Not fast. Not, I'm not suggesting I'll do it really fast, but I reckon I could run a 5K. Yeah. I, I probably would feel shit at the end of it, but I reckon with no prep, just off I go, do a 5K. Right now, probably, if I wanted to. Yeah, probably. You know it's what? not that. It's, it's not, not that far. It's not that far. So anyone who does, anyone who's saying donate money for, if you're listening to this and you're thinking next charity day is coming up, you want to do a five k, raise some money for charity. Don't no. Ten k. You you got to step your game up. Ten k at least with no you, prep. You don't think you could do a ten k right now? I don't think I. Mm, 10k that, that's like is twice an hour plus of solid running. Yeah, yeah I think I think it, like not fast. I would probably struggle a little bit like i'm not i'm not in shape i cycle every day but i'm not like you know that's that's there's no upper body or anything there there's not a lot of hmm. you don't need the upper body no you don't maybe maybe i could do a take because i i went through a period in my life where i was running a lot yeah i remember that that was that was worst scott period yeah Yeah, so (laughs) um but like so i've got a quite good idea yeah i I don't know Do do you reckon i could do 10k with no prep my team. So I said this to my team. I, d- I did it in a jokey way, like because I'm I'm not I'm not actually sort of suggesting that anyone who tries to do a five k or prepares for it is is doing it is doing the wrong thing or anything. Obviously, you should prepare for that sort of thing. But I jokingly said, "Yeah, I reckon I could do a five k with no prep," and they're like, "No way, no chance." You're I, I not like unfit, but like you ride your bike and stuff. Uh, but maybe. I think they were suggesting it as if no one could with no prep. No, I think like ten k is your limit. You reckon I could do a ten k like, with no prep? You can push yourself. Yeah, I think you'd feel pretty bad at the end of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I need a, I need to, I need to lie down at the end of it. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think about school and doing sports day, for example. I had no prep for any of that, and I did it. Yeah, that's a lot shorter. That's like, but the longest event is like the fifteen hundred meters. Yeah, that's not that's not a tank. That's not a, that's a fifth of a five k. Um, kinda, yeah. Exactly. Easy. <laughs> All right, so that, that's our in-depth discussion on running distances. <laughs> How are you, Scott? Yeah, it's fine. So uh, sometimes I feel like I might like to go for a little running. I'll be doing swimming. Swimming's all right. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to get really into it again like I was because it went a bit too far. I, mean, I, don't saying, the, I don't think the issue was the, the was the, the fitness thing. I think it was how that became like your whole, your whole I, thing. I, I was in a bad place. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't think and, it's your fault for what it's worth. I, th- I think you know. I thought, oh, thank you. 
Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, let's let's harbour some let's air some grievances we've been holding on to for a better we part of a decade. Shall we, we argued at that point anyway. It's fine. Yeah, we did argue. A bit. We argued. Yeah. <laughs> we and both came. And that's the only period where we had arguments. Is yeah, the only true. thing you know. It's um, that's all it is. Uh, yeah. If, if you want to go I'm, for a run, though, I'm all right, thank you. <laughs> go for it. I'm, I'm I'm fine. My weeks have been normal. Yeah. What's what does what does that involve for you? Uh, I had work has been fine. Nothing interesting has happened. It's just winding down for the end of the academic year and archiving and preparing for next year. As always happens, I'm so told. It's my first time <laughs> yeah. around a merry-go-round yep. of the summer summer prep. Uh, but, you know, I've been told enrolment is very chaotic in, like, September, so I'll look forward to that. And now, basically, everything we're doing is going towards enrolment. Oh, very good. Enrollment. Very, some cool. very exciting stuff going on, then. Uh, basically, waiting for management to sign off some forms. That's so that's my this. life. That's, yeah. a lot of, that's a lot of just business life, I think, in mm. general. Just uh, for some people I- to sign some forms. I went to the Socialist Party conference, our party conference. That was uh, a lot on the agenda. Three days of uh, votes and political discussion. That's the party that you ran for for but, local elections? Uh, I ran under Trade Union Socialist Coalition. So that's, that's a coalition of uh, groups of which the Socialist Party is a member. But I am a member of the Socialist Party. Right, OK, I got gotcha. you. So we had our party conference. How did that, that go, by the way? Did, did you get like? Did you find out how that went? Was yes, it a positive? Yes, I, I did. Uh, yep, votes happened. Uh, so I took about three percent of the vote, which is what we anticipated. Nice for a first go round. Uh, yeah, not bad. First go round, new party. Yeah, um, it, it was good, and we made some good contacts as well. That's good. That's good times. I'm, I'm happy for you. That sounds like a good couple of weeks. Not not considering the the things we're going to get into with with the with the stuff that we've done. <laughs> you say that like it's no. You said that like there's bad stuff happening. <laughs> not yeah. That sounds like some good weeks. Not considering the you know the uh, all right Cal, rest. But you really this is just filling time because you've had the much more eventful time. Yeah, I've had a really eventful time. I went to so, so tell me about your bloody time, your Italy. bloody Italy. Uh, so. For those for those listening who have not listened to the previous podcast, I went to Italy for two weeks, and that's why this podcast was delayed a little bit. And I had a really bloody good time. I went to Milan for two days. I went to the Cinque Terre for two days, which is like a little coastal town thing where you can walk between all the towns on the coast. I went to Florence for five days, or five nights, so six days, I, I guess. And then I went to Bologna, which I spent the entire time calling Bologna, which is not how you pronounce it. Um, and I was, there, I was there for four nights. And... Let me tell you, that's a lot of stuff to fit in two weeks. And my advice to anyone considering doing something similar is do less in two weeks. Because at the end of it, at the end of Florence, I was bloody exhausted. And honestly, I was looking at ways I could get home sooner. I, okay. I, I, I was just, I was having such a good time, but I was like, I can't do much more. I, I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna get holiday burnout from how much we've done on this holiday. I, I, until we got to Bologna. Not a single day went by where I didn't walk at least twenty thousand steps, mm. which is a significant number. I mean, as we've just which discussed, which actually established, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's at least fifteen k. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's a significant. And you told me that you're you were not prepared with the right shoes. No, I uh, I wore Vans around, and there the was time. nowhere in Italy where you could buy shoes. I probably yeah yeah. Fashion you capital. No, the Italian word for shoes. 
<laughs> I, 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 I had a set spending budget, which because I'm very good with money, so I didn't want to spend too much from it. And I managed to, I sort of allocated myself money each day. So buying shoes from. All right, but. It's not on the agenda. The general budget, surely, because you're going to take the shoes back with you and wear them at home. That's just a a pair of shoes. I didn't consider that. Well, you didn't consider that at the time. All right. I just had to suffer with blisters on my feet instead. <laughs> Every day, even like from the first day, I, I started the day by putting a load of plasters on my feet ready to prepare, like pr- protect against blisters. Mm. And I still got blisters. Mm. It's um, I, get, I tend to get blisters quite easily anyway, though. I don't know why that is. Maybe I just always wear bad shoes. you got soft feet that you don't exercise much. Yeah, that's probably... The, yeah, <laughs> that's probably like... <laughs> that sounds like a really, like, direct insult about someone. Ah, <laughs> uh, you've got soft feet, you don't exercise them enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. It's very true. Like, even on my bike, I'm moving my legs. I'm barely doing anything with my feet. Uh, my feet are soft, safe little things. And I'd, like to, I'd like to keep them that way. Uh, but it was really good. I mean, uh, Milan. Let me tell you about Milan, Scott. Uh, Milan is right. a is a testament to capitalism in all of its ways. Right. Uh, you know the you know you've got a big cathedral in Milan, right? Uh, so I'm not like, familiar with it, but it's a big it's a big famous cathedral. Loads of people go there. People take pictures. First of all, busiest place I've ever been in my life. I've been to London. I've been to Manchester. You know those places are busy, but. Around that fucking cathedral and all the shops around there, I could honestly just waves upon waves of people. You couldn't, I couldn't take a picture without loads of people being in it. It was ridiculous. Uh, and on uh, currently the cathedral's being, I was going to say remastered, but <laughs> <laughs> renovated. Renovated. That's it. Uh, and it's part of part of the funding for that renovation has come from the mobile manufacturer Samsung. I see. And what that means is, on the side of the cathedral, uh, which, is, which is hundreds of years old, uh, there is a big TV screen advertising Samsung products. Right. Can't the Vatican fund any of this renovation? <laughs> I think it's unrelated to the Vatican. I don't, I don't know. Well, it's, oh, it's not a Catholic cathedral. Maybe. I, a... I didn't go right, inside. You, you, you don't know. Okay. Let me find out. Hang on. Milan Cathedral. You didn't go inside the cathedral. No, we went to look, we went to a lot of cathedrals, but that one is so busy. The queue honestly wrapped round the cathedral to go inside of it, and it was like forty euros each to go inside, which is a crazy amount. Um, uh, it is the seat of the Archbishop of Milan. Yeah, yeah, it's probably a Catholic cathedral. Yeah, probably. Yeah, anyway, Roman yeah. Roman Catholic, um, with a big old Samson screen on the side now. Anyway, so the Vatican won't fund it, reg- apart from the forty euro entrance fee. Yeah, that's apparently not enough that. to fund it. So, but so they took some money from Samsung, and now they advertise Samsung products on the side products. of the cathedral. Is that a permanent fixture? I think it's probably just there for the renovations, but regardless, right. it's still kind of bleak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, on the second day, Milan, we avoided the really busy areas and went to China, the Chinatown instead. We had some really amazing dumplings. I've been thinking about every day since. Um, we went to a c- cemetery for like famous Italians and like really rich yep. people. And like the stuff that they've got in there is crazy. Like the the the, the graves that they've got and the and the crypts and things is just so detailed and extravagant. It's 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 nuts. So Milan was good. Then the Cinque Terre, which, as I said, is like these five towns 
uh, just along the coast, and the idea is you can walk in between all of them. So we stayed at the first the first town on the on the tr- on the trail, uh, spent the day there. So many tourists. I think I heard more American accents than I heard Italian accents. Of which, which is, you were one. I, I had an English accent. Yeah, but you were a tourist. <laughs> I was a tourist. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but it's it was um, there was a surprising. I was surprised by how many how many also were there. Um, but it was, a good, it was a good time. That was maybe the most expensive place to be. Like, every restaurant was basically for tourists, so it was all, like, quite pricey. But that set, but the second day, we decided to walk the Cinque Terre, which basically means going up all these massive hills and in between each little town. Um, you're looking at, like, two, from one town to the next, you're basically climbing up and down a hill for about two hours, two and a half hours, and the next one's, like, an hour and a half, etc. In your vans. In my vans, Yeah. Uh, which are not climbing, not climbing shoes, but that was that was really good. You got you got some breathtaking breathtaking views from there. The towns in the Cinque Terre. Uh, have you seen the film Luca? I've not. No. Well, they inspired that film. Okay. Uh, the the Pixar film. I'll Luca. know that if I ever watch it. I'll you ever watched the Pixar film Luca, which is a good film, uh, inspired by those towns, and there's well, even a restaurant in one of them called Luca. Um, after Cinque Terre, we went to Florence, which is absolutely... Florence is fantastic. Uh, so much good food, so much great architecture. The setting, to bring it back to video games, setting to Assassin's Creed 2. Uh, I so, I, so I walked around, I saw, I saw the, place, the famous places from there in Florence. That was pretty cool. Ate a lot of good food. Went to Pisa for a day. Took a little train ride to Pisa. Well, I say a day, we're probably there for about six hours in total because there's absolutely fuck all to do in Pisa. You see the tower. We walk around the botanical gardens. And there's nothing else to do. That's it. Would, would not recommend Pisa. But Florence, very good. One of my favourite parts of Florence, we went to the hills of Tuscany around the outside of it and went to a restaurant overlooking overlooking the hills, basically. It's a restaurant that's been there for, I think, about 300 years. It's established in the late 1700s. So just over 200 years. About 250 years it's been there. And the we sat down at a... On, on their sort of like the balcony area overlooking the hills and it was absolutely fantastic had one of the best lasagnas and tiramisu's I've ever had in my life there so much good food we ate out every day uh, which, which was excellent and, and budgeted for but I do not like how they do food there right the way they do food how, you, how you, do you, they do food you basically there? have to do they expect you to have a first course which is always which is like a pasta dish or, a lasagna, or like a lasagna for example so what we would consider a main Italian course here, they consider that the first course or the starter, and then they expect you to have a second course of like a steak or a, a lobster or with, with some sides and then a dessert. And I could never get on board of it. I always thought I had the first course. I was full up at that point. I didn't want a second course. I'd have a cap- I'd have an espresso, sure, but I'm not having a steak after I've just had a full lasagna or a full bowl of pasta. And I'd, I'd, I'd order the first course. You meant to order it all in one. So you can't back out on it, apparently. I guess it's like once you once you once you've ordered it, you're you're set for it, regardless of how full you are after the first course. And I'd I'd, I'd say okay, for, so for primi, which is the first course, oh yeah, I'll have lasagna, and they'll go secondi. I'd say no secondi, please, and they'd look at me like I'd shot their dog. It was it was honestly it was just they 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 did not the understand way. it. And I just couldn't get on board of it. It would be too much food. Plus, the first course itself, usually around 12 euros for the first course. Yeah, I was going to say the prices. So are they priced, like, 
No. Okay, no. So, so for first course, you're looking at about twelve euros, ten to twelve yeah. euros. Well, I say the the lowest amount I paid for a first course there, I think, was around nine euros, mm. and then they up, when it went upwards of fifteen euros, sometimes even higher than that if you're like a particularly like touristy place, uh, which we tend to try and avoid. But so you got that for first course, then your second course is about the same, if not more, because you got the sides but, as so well. You've always got to pay for two meals. Essentially, they expect you to pay for like thirty euros for for your two courses each time, and if you if you don't, they just think it's really weird. And I never did; I never felt the pressure to do so. But it was just it was very strange. One of them we went in, they could tell that we were like tourists because they handed us both the menus, and then we started looking at the main menu, and then they went, oh oh, and pointed at the second menu and said, this menu is the one with pizza in it. <laughs> I was That's like, me. I'm not ordering a pizza. I don't need just because I'm a tourist doesn't mean I'm just gonna have pizza. I did but have you did order some pizza. I did have five pizzas over the course of time <laughs> being there. Yes, granted, but and then Bologna. When we finally got there, it's just nice to have a. There's not a lot going on. For, Bologna is the capital of food in Italy. Is is sort of like considered the capital of food. And other than that, there's not loads of stuff going on there. So it was really nice to be forced to relax by the time we got to the, got to that point. And that's actually really nice to sort of to be like, actually, we don't we can't just be doing stuff every single day we've just got to sit down go to a park or something do some reading over the time that i was in italy i read i think around 250 chapters in one piece so de- a decent, i thought i thought you were going to say you read like five books or something but no, no i read 250 chapters a lot of one piece i'm over 700 chapters in now it's good stuff so i had a really great i had a really great time uh only lessened slightly by the return to the country. So the night before I was meant to come home, I'm I thought, oh, I'll check my emails quickly just to just to see what's what's going on. And I have an email from Ryanair who said that due to strike action, the flight's cancelled. Uh, so I can't I can't get home uh, with, with that with that unions. flight. Good good victory for the unions. They didn't stand down. <laughs> They didn't stand down. No, uh, I meant I meant inconveniencing you. Oh right, inconvenience. <laughs> yeah, that, that was good for them as well. Um, so they they gave me the option of basically they said I could either get a refund on my flight and just not fly, I guess, or that doesn't help you yeah, much. Doesn't help me. Uh, or uh, I could use any other flight on their network to get home, which I thought, okay, I'll do that. So they said, go on your website, pick your new flight, and off you go. I go onto the website. It won't let me pick a new flight. It gave me no option. I could, all I could do was change the date. So I guess all of the flights on the network, what they actually meant was as long as it's the same flight on a different date. Uh, right. So the only other date I could do was a week after the day I was meant to fly. Not really a possibility. And so I had to get my flight refunded. And then had to, we had to... And this is 11 o'clock at night, the day before we meant to fly home. We had to figure out where else we're going to fly from because Bologna is not an option. So we had to get the train at 5am across to Venice in order to get a flight from Venice back to Manchester, uh, which was stressful. Yeah. Uh, I'll not lie to you. That was a, I don't, I don't deal particularly well with traveling in general. Um, but that was, uh, I did not sleep that night. I've since raised a complaint with Ryanair, which they have not responded to me about. So I'll be chasing that. Giving them five and working. You know a lot about complaints. I know a lot about complaints. I'm going to give them five working days to acknowledge it. If they're not done so by the end of the fifth working day, I will be escalating it. These troubles do not stop there, though, Scott. 
so we get to Venice, we go through Venice, and we're like, we get our we got our passport scanned, we got our passport stamped, blah blah blah. We're like, oh, let's 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 look at the stamps on our passport because I don't often stamp the passport. I found I don't always get it stamped in the places that I go for some reason. And my partner showed me hers, and I'm showing I'm showing her mine. I'm like, oh, here's the stamp from when I went to America in 2018, and she says. But haven't you lost your passport since you've since you went since you went to America? Like in the time that we've been together, we got together after that. I've I've she's like you've you've reported your passport missing and got a new passport. And I was like, oh, you're right. And at that point, right. I realised that the passport I was using and had used to get across to Italy was invalid, and it was the passport that I had lost and somehow found while getting ready for Italy. I, I see. So before I'm back Did in the you, country, so you lost it in. Wait, my house. But, but, I lost but, it in my but house. You, but, but but you've but you've moved house since. Yes, you you lost that passport. Yes. Wait. So when you were packing up your old flat, didn't find it. You found the passport. Apparently, you, maybe you put it in. You put it in the box, and then you've unpacked it in your new house, and then and I've lost my new passport. And lost your new passport and replaced right. the one I had lost. But the, okay. the the important point is coming back across to the UK. My passport is not valid. Now, Cal, if I was a border guard and a yep. man showed up at the border using a passport which was reported lost or stolen, yep. I'm going to be a bit suspicious. You would be that. a bit suspicious, <laughs> yeah. So before, on the flight back, and it was delayed by an hour, so it was meant to be two and a half hour flights, it was a three and a half hour flight, I'm sat there nervous as all hell. I am like, they're not going to let me back into the country. There's no chance that there's anything going to happen. I mean, spoiler, because I'm talking to you now, they let me back into the country. But... That entire flight, I was I was so nervous, and my partner's just like, "It'll be fine." We I googled on her phone what happens if you've lost your passport, report it lost, and then you try and use it. And surprisingly enough, not a lot of articles about that because yeah. it doesn't really happen. Um, so I get we get back into the country, and I'm just like, I just gotta play it cool and act as if nothing's wrong whatsoever. Uh, so I get to the scanning machine, I try to scan the passport, doesn't scan. Mm-hmm. And the one behind me is like, you might need to press it down hard in order to get to recognise it. I said, okay, I'll give that a go. <laughs> Knowing that that's not the problem. But I press it down again. It scans, it doesn't, it scans again. It's like, nope, it doesn't doesn't recognise it. She goes, okay, uh, I'll have to take you over to um, security to for them to do it for you. Take over the security guards. I give it to him. He scans it. And it's like, oh, that's weird. Because he's looking at the passport and it's still in date. It's invalid, but yeah. it's still in date. And it is a genuine British passport. It's a genuine British passport. It's in date. It's just, it's, it's as far it's, he as far as he knows, there's nothing wrong with this passport. And he's like, this is really weird. He tries scanning it a couple of times. He tries wiping on his shirt and things. And I go, yeah, I don't know why it's not scanning. And he goes, we've got some special wipes out in the, out in our room, uh, which, which works for this sort of thing. I'll go grab those. I realise now... <laughs> That there's no way he had some special wipes back there that would magically yeah. sort the passport out. He was just trying to make sure I didn't bolt. He didn't want to let on that something was weird yeah. here. So he, he goes back, and I could see him go to his little room because there's windows on it, and he just starts showing it to all the, all the guards in the room. And at this point, I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. The, the jig's up. And I try to think of how I can just appear as calm as possible. So I just slowly lean on the desk in front of me just put, my, just put my arm up like yeah nothing nothing's wrong here half an hour he spends looking at this uh this passport with with his security people occasionally he comes back to desk doesn't look at me 
looks through a load of papers and then walks off again and I'm just like fucking hell I don't know what's going on here he's looking at the computer screen he's holding the passport up against the computer screen so I guess he's looking at what my actual passport like my new one what picture it had on it or something he comes back and he asked asked me asked me loads of questions like where have you come from and I was like oh I've just flown from Italy and he goes uh, what's your name what's your job I give, I give him all the details and things he says you reported anything weird with this passport previously and I was like this passport um um i don't i don't don't think so because i didn't want to let on that before mm. this flight i knew the passport was invalid and i was like well i reported a passport missing about three years ago and he goes and is this your replacement passport and i said i hope so <laughs> He's like, I think this is your... I, I, I think he says, this is your lost passport that you reported missing. And I said, oh, what does that mean? And he says, I don't know if I can let you back into the country. And at this point, I'm like, <laughs> right, okay. Um, he said, I'm going to have to speak to, meet my secu- superior. Go speak to the superior. And then after f- another five minutes, he comes back and goes, we're letting you in because it's clearly you, but... You, we, we have to confiscate this passport you can't use it again and I was like okay that's fine he said do you want a receipt for the passport and I was like no it's okay I don't need a receipt for my lost passport and then I was, just before I headed off I was like if you had decided not to let me in what would have happened and it turns out they would have had to send me back to Italy and I would have had to go get a new passport from the embassy in Italy to get me back into but, the country but wait they're going to let you use your passport your your reported lost passport to gain entry to Italy. I guess The so. Italians don't know better, but you would have had I don't to know. respond to the... They would have to send me back to Italy uh, to get to the embassy in, in Italy yeah. and then I'd, I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? But I was able to get into Italy the first time with that passport. It yeah, been... I guess they don't have a... They, they don't have access to that database, do they? But even scanning out of like the UK, nothing nothing ever got flagged or anything, mm. which I'm, I'm glad yeah. for because it meant we could go on the holiday. Yeah. Because if it had been flagged at that point... That would have been a real pisser. That would have been a real pisser. I've been so annoyed. So, there you go. That's my lesson to everyone. Don't just. Would, would you have wanted your fiance to go uh, to go alone to Italy in that? Mm, I probably would have been like, yeah, you go ahead. I'll meet you out there. I guess. Yeah, I, because probably you have to go home. You have to just get a later flight. Yeah, exactly. You'd have to go home, find the actual passport, and I don't know where that is. For <laughs> oh, what yeah. it's worth, I've no idea. But... So, Cal, are you going to report that passport lost now? <laughs> and then get any The whole passport? thing... If this happens again, I don't think I'll get that back in. I, if I, I, I'm certain there's a flag on me right now of, like, if anything weird happens in the airport again, he's, he's on a watch list. It is know? the same border guard as well? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not this guy. <laughs> there is no chance that they don't just, like... That they aren't, at the very least, just sort of put a flag on me of like a two-strike warning sort of thing, you know? Because if because if something else weird happens again, that's more suspicious because something's happened in the past. Right? Do, do they do they charge you for the plane ride back to Italy, or is that courtesy of the crown? I didn't stay stick around longer to ask more questions because I thought that would be really suspicious. Like let's, that would that let's would say be you, if, if, Let's say if you change your, your mind in a minute. Yeah. Would you charge me for that? Uh, if yeah. they put if they push you into a fight and they're like, we'll bill you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh great! <laughs> yeah, it's um. So that was a very that was maybe the most stressed I've been in in a space of half an hour in a long time. Uh, but I had to appear outwardly cool 
which was more stressful. No idea if I succeeded in being outwardly cool. I imagine my lean on the desk was the most awkward lean ever, but it was... Wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't recommend using an invalid passport to try and get through passport control is the lesson to take away from here. What have you been doing, Scott? Just be glad it was clearly you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You've crossed something out of the of your list. Yeah, okay, so let's talk about this. So I watched a, a, a good, like, gay romance TV series um, on Netflix, but I feel conflicted about talking about it on the podcast because Netflix is... It's become it's been thrown into sharp relief recently that Netflix is happy to be LGBT positive yeah. on the one hand, but they're also willing to platform certain comedians uh, who at this point are just saying hate speech. Yeah, it's just hate routine. speech. Um, I actually, I know like individual action doesn't really make a difference, but I have cancelled my Netflix subscription. Oh, wow. Just because I don't feel like I can give money to a company. You know, who knows? It's just like a token gesture, really. But I don't feel like I can give money to a company that um, puts that that commissions, that kind of thing. Uh, We're talking, I don't know why I'm being quiet. We're talking about Ricky Gervais's latest uh, comedy uh, special, I guess, stand up. Uh, basically, Ricky Gervais has moved into the right-wing school of comedy, where he's just saying things he believes. Just saying. I mean, I think things he I'm believes. pretty sure just saying things he believes was it was always his comedy, his stand-up. Uh, that that guess, was very but, much just his his shtick, really. But there's a certain type of right-wing comedy where you just say bigoted things that you believe, and people laugh. Yeah, because it's what they believe as well. Yeah, and um, it is just hate speech at this point, in my opinion. Like it's any pretense of making actual like it, not that it's okay to make jokes about like the rights of a whole group of people but like it, any pretense of making jokes is just gone yeah he's it, he's just doing hate speech uh so anyway um you know not only did netflix commission but i mean they've commissioned gervais specials before uh but they've, they've immediately commissioned another one i just feel like i can't give that company any more money yeah, yes, for, the, for what for for my own conscience. The word is that Netflix sat on that for months. So it's it's been basically ready for months to go, but they've sat on it because of how like transphobic it is. But they released it anyway for fear of a right wing backlash. So I so suppose so they were scared that, of a right wing backlash, uh, but not scared of of, of offending uh, trans people. Uh, a cowardly company that will make kind of LGBT and the thing is Heart, the show I'm talking about is Heartstopper on Netflix the one I liked um, and it features a um, uh, up and coming uh, trans woman star uh, who will um, appear in the new Doctor Who as well a sh- a Doctor Who is, is something I'm excited for again for what it's worth uh, the, yeah, the new also, casting that they've done for it is incredible uh, side um, what's 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 the name of it sidebar it is oh. um Wait, Heartstopper cast. It is Yasmin Finney. There you go. She's a great actress. Yeah. Uh, it was very good in the show. And look, so yeah, feel like very cowardly to make kind of uh, trans positive content, LGBT positive content in one hand, uh, and then, you know. N- platform to be especially it's, it's especially it's especially frustrating because on the one hand you can say it is cowardly to do that 
But also, on the other hand, not many other people are funding that. So, like, if Netflix aren't making that stuff, who is? Corporations won't be our safety. Well, exactly. They, they won't. They won't be. Uh, so. I know. So there we go. Anyway, I I don't know why this was the last straw for me, but I just feel like having watched a clip of Gervais's comedy special. Um, oh, it's I, bad. I, yeah, it's, it's real bad. It's, it's honestly, I, I watched it. It was, it was honestly, I, I was expecting bad, but when I heard that clip, I was like, "What the fuck? What the? Uh, it's honestly, it's I would I wouldn't even recommend people listening to it just as a curiosity. No. It, was, it was I wish because, I hadn't it, because yeah, it is just hateful stuff. Um, Ricky Gervais is a very small um, and uh, sad little man. He he has, so. he has become the characters he yeah wrote. He he wants he wants um, pilloried. Yeah, uh, I, and he's using his platform to you know spread hate. And he you know people like him have actual blood on their hands. There's been um, you know not to. I guess it's a bit um, not to pull the podcast in the morose direction. That's fine. But you know, there's been a, a, like a five hundred percent increase in hate crimes against trans people in the last five years. Yeah. Like, you know, he's got, in my opinion, those people have have real blood on their hands. Yeah. Uh, I don't say that lightly. But for what it's worth, um, kind of just needed to talk about that briefly. Uh, Heartstopper is a good program if you can uh, watch it without giving money to Netflix. Yeah, the better. There, there uh, are <laughs> there are places to watch that on the internet. Uh, anyway, it's a British. Uh, it's based on a webcomic um, of the same name, and it's a British uh, LGBT kind of gay teen romance about a, a teenage boy, uh, Charlie, uh, who is who's um, you know. The, the only out gay kid in his school uh, who strikes up a romance with um, with boy Nick, who kind of comes to realise his own sexuality and so on. And some other love stories as well. It's good. I would recommend very well-acted cast, um, you know, very kind of cosy, uh, sweet stuff. And shout out to uh, the kid, the, oh, the man, because obviously they are, uh, but the person who plays the school bully, uh, Cormac Hyde Corrin, for doing a pitch perfect performance of a school bully oh is it uh, school bullies you'd know from like being younger Cal watch it we knew several of this guy oh jeez okay uh, it's really perfect um and he does a great the voice makes it he does a really good uh rich boy trying to sound like a gangster voice okay that's very that's very good I like that a lot how many episodes is it eight that's not bad so far. That's there right. might be another season but who knows who knows? Uh, anyway, w- would recommend uh, Heartstopper and, yeah, Pitch Perfect School Bully. Credit to that guy. It reminds me, think, of um, the first season of The Inbetweeners, which, while the second and third... I still think the second and first season is fairly good, but the first season of The Inbetweeners pitch perfectly replicates that sort of school mm-hmm. experience and, like, the people you meet in school without yeah. without Cal, being a bit too meme the, the Inbetweeners premiered 14 years ago. No, that's scary. Don't like that yeah. one bit. I, I, I watched, um, there's a good uh, YouTube channel called, um, it's just called Andrew, um, and he talks about kind of comedies and um, British comedies and stuff. And he made a good little video on the in-between. It's just like 10 minutes long where he talks about, because uh, I, in response to Andrew's video, I've gone back and watched some in-betweeners. Yeah. And uh, boy, that show is a time capsule in like every sense. Yeah. Of like, yeah, just like in terms of like the fashions, the technology, the mute, the, the soundtrack is extremely nostalgic for that type of oh, The soundtrack is great. 
And also just in terms of like the style of humor as well as some of the language, it is like it is for better and worse, like perfectly of that late 2000s, early 2010s kind of turn of a decade. I imagine some of the language used in it, even if it is sort of hasn't aged well, it could still be attributed to them being teenagers. I mean, it, is, it is quite representative of how yeah. teenagers talk. Being even now. At that time, you know, even now. I mean, one thing that working in a kind of college with 16 year olds has taught me is that um teenage boys have not changed that much no. since um since we were t- teenagers yeah exactly um so yeah that much is true uh yeah so that, that's a brief aside about the in-betweeners but yeah in-between is a real-time council of that late 2000s uh energy if we have to rename the podcast now, and we're we're coming up to four years doing it, so we probably won't, but <laughs> I'd probably rename it to a brief aside. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> that's basically all this podcast ever ends up being, which I, which I love. All right, Cal, give me something else that you've done. Uh, I played some games. So I over the I played some games while I, while I was traveling. I've not finished them yet, so I don't want to talk about the, the game I was playing just yet with that. But over the weekend, I played two games, and I finished one of them, um, both on Game Pass for PC and Xbox. The first one is Trek to Yomi. I don't know if you remember... Well, you were trekking to your own Yomi. Yeah, Yomi is... I mean, Yomi is the afterlife, uh, but... <laughs> well, that's true as well. Um, Trek to Yomi, I don't know if you remember it getting announced in that Devolver Digital showcase a year ago. Um, I don't. It was the It's the black on. and white samurai game. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks like a basically a samurai film. It's all in black and white. It, Trek to Yomi is basically a, a short, four-hour-long samurai action game which is black and white and stylized and sort of like as if it was being filmed as a samurai film so it sort of has that resident evil one to two you know you move between a room and then the next room has like a different camera angle it's got that sort of thing going on as you as you explore all the different areas and then when you get to like battle modes it sort of takes a side scrolling view of you sort of moving left and right and then you have to do different samurai moves in order to get through. Sort of quite kind of hack and slashy, but with a bit more thought put into it because you can't just run in and slash because you will get killed. You, you, you are quite weak. You're a samurai. Samurais tend to don't have loads of armor on them and everything. But it was just this really cool, fun experience. If, if it was any longer than four hours, I could see it getting quite repetitive and um, outstanding its welcome. But for what it was, I had a really great time with it. It, it felt really unique in like the, the world of games really it's it was it was something a bit special i i, I really i really enjoyed it it's, uh, uh, so is it like an action game or is it or what's it's, the genre? so it's it's part ex, part sort of like exploration where you're walking around these it's, it's set split into levels or chapters i think it calls it so it's part like you're walking it's, it's linear you're walking from one one part of the stage to the other but you there's like little side paths you can go down and a little, there's lots of collectibles to find, for example, and secrets to find, and you can build up your your health and stamina and things. And then it also has enemies to fight. So like when enemies come along, it's like a side-scrolling fighting game where you have to use your sword and sort of time your swords, and you've got different moves to use to help best best take on these different enemies. Most of the enemies can take be taken down with the same move over and over, which is where the repetitiveness comes into it but there's a decent number of skills to choose from which just push into like these these samurai action scenes it's um it's it's hard i I would probably describe it as like a side scrolling hack and slash ultimately is what this game is but in a sort of samurai style 
and it's it's all completely black and white. It all looks like a samurai film, like an old old time samurai film. Everyone speaks in Japanese. I think it's made by a Polish studio, um, but published by Devolver Digital. It's on Game Pass, four hours long. It's very good. It's 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 a lot of fun. I I definitely recommend it. I think you I think you'd enjoy it, Scott. Okay. It's it's a good time. Cool. What what else have you been doing? All right, I've done some painting. I've done all your favourite characters, Cal. From st- from Star Wars. From Star Wars. This okay. one's for you. This one's for me. What we got? So, we've got the uh, the 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 true the the droids from Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace and others. Yeah. What's we? What's the blue? I've not seen the blue on them before. Ah, the blue. This I looked up some colour schemes. That is um, scout droids. Oh, interesting. I want to, my droid army. My idea is that they've been like going. They've been in the wilderness for ages. Mm. They've been like going past the Galactic Empire. They're still like droid rights holdouts. Yeah, I love that. That's really great. When I say techno union, I mean techno union. I thought you were going to go into when I say techno, you say union. <laughs> All that as well. Yeah, that's pretty. I, I love them. They're they're really great. I mean, it's it's. I don't know what to what to ask questions about because I know what these droids, these droids are. <laughs> These droids, uh, that's fine. Easy paints for droids. They're good. You got the droid cars. Droid cars, your favourite. Those are my very favourite. Pachu, pachu, pachu. They look great. Goes their weapons. Was it? Was it just the one, or is it two of them? It is two. Okay, two yeah, because there are two. I didn't know if it was like the same picture for yeah. each of them. Oh, that's that's and really then, cool. How how? And did, then the models. These are uh, these kind of look. Oh, they, they fold up. Yeah. So these are so. It's a different model. Oh, right, Star okay. Wars Legion, you get the ones that unfolded, but then when you move them about, you change them, you switch them out for the ones that fold up. That seemed a bit excessive. <laughs> like I get it because it's because they're part. Of, they're rolling around as part of their whole yeah. thing. But um, it's the idea of okay, I'm going to move them. Hang on, let me find the the rolled up one again. <laughs> okay, switch it in and out. Move it along, then switch it back in and out again. It's uh, yeah. That's a, I mean, that's there's cool, different though. gameplay effects when they're rolled up as well. You switch modes. Like what? Okay. Like they're just faster. They can't use their weapons, but they're they're a lot faster. When oh, so you wouldn't just as once they stop rolling, you wouldn't just immediately switch them out necessarily. No, you'd have to take an action in the game. Okay. To get them into into regular form again. Oh, very 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 cool. Um, because I good. I worked hard on the transition method effect. Yeah, I like I like um, that a lot. You've got you've got like the way the color changes as it goes over the back of it is is very cool. They they seem quite finicky. I know I know, so, they, I know a lot were... of their stuff have been quite finicky, but for robot pieces, I imagine that's like you've got a lot of pieces close together. Yeah, they were okay to assemble. It's just uh, getting all the blacks done in the right place um, and making sure you get into all little corners. And the sort of like grassy base that they're on, is that something you chose or is just what they came with? Uh, yeah, that's something I chose. So that's some simple, uh, just some like sand and grit uh, that you like put on with PVA glue. So you didn't want to put them in like a in like a, a, cor- like a space corridor, spaceship corridor? No, I thought a forest set- setting would okay. be good. wonder how they would do in a forest. Uh, I think all right. Well, you see, they've been really through the wars. They have been, yeah, yeah. They, they, these guys are probably pros at doing forest stuff. To be fair, uh, you've got your general Grievous, and then yeah, your your other favourite general Grievous. He looks pretty cool. He's got he's got he's yep. got the four he's got the four lightsabers. Got the four lightsabers. I assembled them without the cape. Four lightsabers. I tried to do some object lighting from the lightsabers. Yeah, so that's good stuff. I like how it gets darker at certain points and lighter at others. That's that's very good. Quite a lot. Did you choose the colours? Um, yeah, I followed an online tutorial from a guy called Serastro, who has a good painting channel. Um, so I, I mean, you can paint in whatever colour you want, but I just. I, I mean the, I mean the lightsabers. Oh yeah, uh, I, I just went with two blue and two green. Yeah, I, I not, not to. Uh, it's very good, Scott. 
Not to um, yep. <laughs> not to, not to backseat paint. I would have done one in each colour. I would have done one okay. red, one blue, one green, one maybe wait, mace window pink. Magenta. Magenta. Yeah, whatever whatever that colour mace window has is. What colour is Mace Windu's lightsaber? It's not magenta, is it? Mace Windu lightsaber. If you know, listener, write in to P.O. Box. We could, we could, could, could just Google it. Mace Windu. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at Oh, you are now. looking Okay, right. I thought you were just pausing for them to... Apparently it's just purple. Purple, all right. Uh, the, the fun thing, I, I did actually know this before Googling it, but um, Samuel L. Jackson requested that colour. Because it's his favourite colour. Amethyst. Oh, really? Is that is it amethyst purple? Okay. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson requested that colour because uh, it made it... It's his favourite colour, basically. Although, in recent Star Wars films, that goes against canon because the idea is oh. that the colour that your lightsaber is is based on your attunement towards the light or dark of the Force. What? I know, it's weird, isn't it? That's silly. Like your lightsaber changes color based on how you are. So like, what? Yeah, but it's 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 bizarre. Like crystals, don't they? Yeah, but the crystals are affected by your attunement to the force. What? Yeah, stupid. It's really it's really stupid. Just make it just just be whatever color you want, right? Uh, so I guess I don't. Anyway, if green is sort of like you're sort of force agnostic, I think blue is like you're on the light side. Red is on your you're on the dark side. And purple, I guess, is just you're a, you're a badass. I like Star Wars, but it's really stupid. The, the thing is, I like Star Wars partly because it's really stupid, and I wish you would stop pretending it wasn't stupid. Like when you have when you have people treating like, oh, they've got the dark saber as some really serious thing, and they're like, and it's, it's treated like some some cliffhanger to the end of an episode, which people went to go dark crazy saber. about it. That's that's a that's a plot point right now in Mandalorian, the dark saber. Yep. Um, I've got a Darth Maul sitting. He's primed. He's uh, high, he's waiting to be painted. Yeah, I mean Darth Maul comes back from dead like twice. And I might get the new Darth Maul when they release him. They're gonna. I've got Phantom Menace era Darth Maul. But you've They're not got the one where he's uh, come back Mobile to life. Period. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I might do that one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a, that's a, that's that's my favorite Darth Maul. That's when you get Darth Maul with character because he actually does something as opposed to just standing menacingly like a phantom. Uh, what's the final thing you've painted? Final, this is finishing my Warhammer Age of Sigmar Demon's Army for now. This is the final big hero, um, although it's smaller than the others. This is the final hero, uh, the contorted epitome. It's two demons uh, beckoning you towards a dark mirror into their dark I want to go into the dark mirror. You want to go into the dark mirror? Yeah, yeah, it seems seems sort of like fluidy. All right, they can bring you pleasure and pain. Which one do you want first? Uh, Both could be good. (laughs) Oh, good! You're on board. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, these anyway, guys, these these two girls, gals, uh, crab people. Yeah, crabs, crabs. Okay. No, it's, it's very, it's very good. They've got the, the, so the mirror has got like two tails. Yeah, it's got two snaky tails. Yeah. Was that, rep- was, that up. was that represent? Uh, it's just um, just cool. Snaky. Just cool. It's serpentine. Yeah, it's cool. Does Warhammer? Regularly, just abide by the rule of cool. Yeah, yeah I'm on board. With, I'm on board with that. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they design models and then they come up with backstories yeah. for them. Whatever, do it. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's that's very good. But good good work, Scott. What's the what's the gems they got in their helmets? Uh, what the gems? What are we talking little about? Gem, little gems in the center of their helmets. Yeah, 
Just just wearing some jewellery. Okay, that's nice. Even when you're well, evil, just... even when you're evil, do you want to dress up for the job you're doing? Yeah, they're just the, they're, they serve the god of excess, so they want to dress fancy. Like it. I like it. That's good. Oh, very good. So how long did this all this take you? Um, oh, the contorted opinion was okay. So basically, I've, I've come off of just having painted, like, four really massive models, which we've seen of a podcast, so, um, or we talked about on yeah, the podcast. So seen. now, like, the contorted appears to me, the mirror, that was quite a bit smaller, and then General Grievous and stuff, you know, they're, like, human-sized yeah. It's kind of a scale. So I'm painting these these heroes, and I'm like, is that it? Am, am I done? Like, oh, this is a lot smaller. It turns out when it's a lot smaller, it's a lot less work. Yeah. So I'm. So you kind of get that feeling of, oh, I, I feel like I've not done enough with it. But then you realise, oh, it looks quite good, really. It's just that there's physically less to do. Yeah, I, I like it. So, I think they're good. So I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying Legion, Star Wars Legion, uh, mainly because I'm painting, like, human-sized models. Who, who, which, which of your armies would win in a fight? Um, or probably the Sineshis. They got a lot of spells. There's not a lot of spell. Well, there's force powers, but there's not a lot of like. Yeah, but they got guns. Yeah, that's true. They do have guns. Um, but the the demons they can like teleport. They can be like be summoned. They can fly. But then the droids, I don't know if droids are driven to excess because the spells of, of like the demons are going to like corrupt your like emotions. But if you're like, a, if you don't have emotions. Droids have emotions. Maybe. Well, they do. Quite the, no- the normal, the normal droids do. Uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know about the, the droid normal cars. droids. I, I don't know if the droid cars have ever said anything. Droid rights is the big untold story of Star Wars. It is. Uh, that was a big thing in Solo, wasn't it? As well. I never saw. You know, so oh, there's a there's a woman droid in that who was fighting for droid rights, yeah. and then spoiler alert, uh, she's dying and has to be fused with the Millennium Falcon, and then she's just inside right. the Millennium Falcon forever. Um, right. And she is the Millennium Falcon, but she can't speak anymore. Can't speak. Got no mouth, but she must scream. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is a good thing to do to your feminist uh, character. Um, <laughs> All right, Cal, tell me about Luke River. Loot River, uh, have you ever heard of a roguelike, Scott? Yeah, I've heard a bit about Loot River. So I've heard about a roguelike. It's a bit like Rogue, isn't it? Yeah, it's, we all know it's Rogue. like Rogue. Um, um, a 1980, some 82, 1980 video yeah. game. Loot River is a top-down pixel roguelike. Um, so it's a bit like Rogue, but with graphics. Yeah, a bit like Rogue, but with, oh, but with I've, graphics. Oh, I've not heard of that before. Uh, there's top-down, it's got pixel graphics. You're going through dungeons, you're picking up weapons... Uh, you're putting stats in as you level up, and if you die, then you go back to the start and can do it all over again. Although this time with with more experience, so you should be a little bit stronger and maybe your weapons a little bit better. So you've heard that's that's kind of what this game is. It's another one of those, but it has the 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 gimmick, I suppose, in that um, your your levels are you're going down a river, and the platforms that you go on are sort of like Tetris shaped platforms. And with the right stick of your controller, you can move those around when you're stood on them. So any platform you're stood on can be moved around. So if you're coming against some enemies, you can make your platform maybe go around the back of them in order to flank them. Uh, so you have like a lot of control over the level. So it could be that you're fighting some enemies and your way of escape is to run onto a platform and move that platform away from them. And then they can't, can't come after you. Uh, which is pretty cool to do. It's fun. It looks very nice. It's got some very good pixel effects, especially around the water and the fire. But... I've played a few hours of it, and at the end of the day, it's still a roguelike. 
like I, I was playing it. I, was, I, I don't know what the tutorials are like on it because I can skip through the tutorials because like, okay, this is the person who's going to let me upgrade this thing. I can upgrade this thing to this person. This is the person who's doing weapons. Okay, I know what's going on here. And it doesn't really have like the, the river part and the and the moving the, the platforms around and things is a pretty cool hook, but it's not, to me, it's not enough to carry the game. Like the roguelikes that I've enjoyed, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a notorious for being quite against roguelikes, but the ones I have enjoyed are things like Hades, which has a, I, what keeps me going in that is the story and the characters and, and, and the constantly developing that as I go through the, the dungeons. And this, the story for this one is basically Dark Souls. It's got that sort of like mysterious sort of like old history, weird looking characters, sort of like gothic-y looking characters who are constantly going like, <laughs> and then saying some like mysterious shit. And it's just, it's just the Dark Souls thing. You know what I mean by that? Like that's basically what every I character do. in Dark Souls does. They just go, ha, 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 ha. And then they say some it, things. It, it's, uh, they, 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 they laugh at the end. So they're like, oh, look at you. Uh, doing whatever uh you better watch out for <laughs> yeah exactly that's, that's what that's what every character in dark souls <laughs> does and that's what all these characters basically do as well like oh have you found my brother yet he's out there somewhere i hope nothing's happened with him <laughs> you you can find him in <laughs> yeah yeah the the desecrated tombstone god's butt haven those sort of like ridiculous names, and, and I like I like that in Dark Souls, but it does sort of just feel like it's trying to do that here. Um, it's a good it's a good roguelike, but it's still a, a roguelike. It's still another one of those, and I don't I don't think I'll keep going with it because it's like unless it's got a really good hook, that's that's not really enough for me to go through. It sort of just chucks a lot at me and just sort of expects you to be good to go with it. Um, but if you're looking for a new roguelike with a bit of a twist on the format, then I'd say that's a, that's a, there's nothing wrong with going for that one. The Loot River, available on Game Pass for Xbox and PC. So, you know, it's, if you've got that already, it's not going to cost you anything. But not really my thing. Um, enjoyed it, but I, I won't stick with it. You've read some books? I've read some books. So I've read more in the... This is more Warhammer. You've got uh, three I books here, Scott. Last time you'd read yeah. one. I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks. Okay. I've, had, I've had time to sort of listen to audiobooks. Uh, I'm in a big audiobook kick. So I've read four, three, three further novels, books two to four in the Horus Heresy series. And I've got to say, uh, they're pretty engaging. Cal, I think you would like these. Yeah, I, I think I would because, as well. Okay, so what you got to... I think what you'd like about the, the Warhammer universe, especially the, the Horus Heresy series, is it's a book that like internally takes itself seriously, but is also quite silly yep. like to us. Like it. So let me pitch you. But it, there's a it's, guy it's sort of like knowingly silly then. Uh it, like the writers know it's a bit silly, but like the characters take it seriously. Okay, cool. So Cal, there's a guy called Angron. Yep. And and he's really angry, oh. and he leaves <laughs> Legion, and they're and they're all angry. Yeah. And but all the characters are like, oh, you don't want to feel the wrath of Angron. Yep. This sounds like my kind of bullshit. <laughs> it's good. I think you would. I'd recommend tracking down Horus Rising, the first book. Uh, I've read all it down. Like I've got to go on a quest to get it. But I just mean buying it or listening to it or whatever. I wish I could share. I don't know if Audible has a function to like share audiobooks. I bet it doesn't because. Why? Why would they? That would just eat into their profits. But yeah, probably not. Um, if if I if it did, I would bloody share it with you. 
Okay, well, that's, I, I will, I, I wish I, mm, I'm just trying, what I'm doing right now is just playing through my head all the time I could potentially, maybe I'll do it whilst, maybe I'll give it a go while cycling. You could read a, a real book. No, keep your ears about you when you cycle. Maybe I'll give you, it a you go could just read, <laughs> You could just read the textbook. I could, you, I could do. I, you, I, you read enough, you read One Piece. I do. To read. I don't know what it is about One Piece where I, I feel like manga, because it's in chapters. I know, I know books are in chapters. I don't, I, I've got like three unfinished books in my bedside drawer. Okay. I don't understand. I would love to read this though. Uh, All right. Maybe I just need to get over my sort of like constant need to, for different things to be going on at any one time and just read it. I'll give it yeah, maybe. Well, give it Horus Rising's first one, but False Gods, book two. Uh, I really like this one. This might be my favourite of the first four. Uh, I, I like the, the kind of uh, Horus's turn. Uh, very dramatic, very kind of theatrical even. Um, I, I liked this one. Um, I thought, yeah. I, I. What do you mean by theatrical? I, as in like... So you know the scene in like Othello. I, I know I'm comparing this Warhammer book. To Jesus, Othello. wow. You know, okay. But you know the scene in Othello yeah. where Iago convinces Othello that Desmonda is like cheating on him. Yes. Well, it kind of feels like that. It feels like there's a big scene where Horus is talking to um to what's his name Erebus and uh, and Prospero, and they they're trying to tempt him one way or the other, and it feels like the actual kind of time but Horus gets to make the decision it feels a bit su it might feel a bit sudden within the scene but it bit, there's so much kind of unspoken stuff building up to that moment and you feel the real kind of weight of his decision nice I like it I like it. you know be. how like every fictional thing does um a Christmas carol like everyone everyone's yeah. got their version why do they don't do why do they not do more like Shakespeare things is it because Shakespeare's less recognizable Shakespeare is very recognizable. It's recognizable, but you've but not got like the Scrooge figure, have that you? Been inspired by like Shakespeare. I know inspired of. by, but I mean specifically doing that thing. <laughs> I don't know, but then it, <laughs> I'm not sure. Just doing a Christmas Carol. You want someone to just do Macbeth? Yeah, but in like their world, like where's where's my Muppets Macbeth? I, I would say there's not a particular season of the year in which you can do a Shakespeare play, apart from a Midwinter's Tale or whatever. Midsummer's Night Dream. Midsummer Night's Dream, all right. Or Midsummer Night's Dream with Twelfth Night. Yeah, Twelfth. Those are specific, specific times of year. Night of what? Uh, that's the name of the play. Yeah, but when, when would you? What time of year would you perform? That's I don't know. I don't know when the Twelfth Night is. Uh, when when is the Twelfth okay. Night? <laughs> I know it's a time of year. When is the Twelfth Night? Thursday, fifth January is the next one. That, that's just the next performance of a twelfth night. No, that's the twelfth. The twelfth <laughs> night is the twelfth day after Christmas. All right. So well. there. Yeah. So Galaxy in Flames. I thought <laughs> this is a book that has some interesting space rings in it. Normally, in these horror heresy books, you want the human characters, but I like Galaxy in Flames uh, because it features the best space marine characters coming together for a heroic final stand. Okay, I like that a lot. Are you saying yeah, they're saying they're they're like the Avengers? Well, is this no, is this Endgame? No, it's not because <laughs> they they do some Avengers -y shit later on in the series, which I've heard about. And I'm not a big fan. This is This is the culmination of the first three books, the trilogy, and these are like characters that we spent a lot of time with, kind of getting to their culminating moment, and um, kind of yeah, it all comes to a head in this book. What's been built up so far. 
I like it. That sounds good. Good. Flight of the Eisenstein is is all right. I think it's my least favorite of the first four, mainly because Nathaniel Garrow is not a very interesting character. All right, I know what's it doesn't wrong, mean much wrong, to you. What's wrong with him? But the main character, he's just Loken from the previous books, but in a different legion. What's his name? Okay, Nathaniel Garrow. No offense to any Nathaniels listening, but that's not the name I think of when I think of a hero. All right, he, he's just a straight laced guy yeah. who doesn't turn traitor. Spoiler. And, um, <laughs> well, he doesn't turn into a traitor. Um, and but he's just not as interesting as the remembrances he's uh, protecting. Oh, very well. So okay. anyway, Flight of the Elves is all right. I just wish they spent less time messing about in the war. Flight of the time. L of the Eisenstein. Of the Eisenstein. Okay, very cool. That sounds um, sound good. Anyway, that, that was good. I would recommend it. It's a big bombastic space opera but it's quite silly but the characters take it seriously i like i like, think you would enjoy like it. dune but silly a bit like D- well warhammer the universe has you know it is the greatest hits of 20th century science fiction and it they are heavily inspired by several elements of dune so i would yeah you'd probably quite enjoy that sounds sounds good cool. um anyway you give me your last your last thing it's another game i played scott remember a few <laughs> remember a couple of months ago we talked about the office game that was coming to phones uh the yeah. office somehow we managed don't get downsized don't get don't get downsized uh well it's come out and i've played it uh, just to sort of see what it's like and oh jesus christ it's not good it's not good it's it's it oh, it's it's awful. It's <laughs> so the office somehow we manage is a time based gacha game. I think it's gacha because you unlock like the office characters and like I've only I've only played the the opening hour really, so I don't know how much gacha comes into it later on because I just get given characters to start with. But like Stanley's an epic character for for example so I think characters have different rankings based on how popular they are and if you get an epic one that's good and you get to Is Stanley an epic character? I guess so. Well Michael's an epic character. I think any of the main cast are considered like epic characters. Like epic ranking in terms of like what, what how good of a character they is. Um the 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 the, 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 the gameplay is literally just Michael, so the, the background to it is Michael Scott spent all of the budget on um, Scott coins, uh, which is the premium, right. which is the premium currency in the game, and that's convenient. Yeah, so he spent all of the budget on Scott coins, and so you need to build up money each episode. It's split into episodes, so it's not like it's a constant. It might, it might be a constant thing later. Maybe the episode is just the pro- the, the prologue, but um, the tutorial section. But it's split into episodes where each episode you start off with no money and you have to put some money into like Jim, for example, so he can make some sales. So you put some money into him, he gets some leads and then he starts getting money, which you can then use to to give Dwight some money to, to make some sales and get some leads. And Dwight makes more money than Jim, so he he's more expensive. And so you, you put money into him and he makes more money and then you get put money into, into fucking Meredith or something. <laughs> Stanley, I don't I don't give it, I don't know. And then they make money. Uh, meanwhile, you you can like spend more money to automate it, so you'd have to keep clicking on it, it's sort of like a clicker game, but not you're not constantly tapping it. And then every day, every episode, you've got different targets to meet. Like, oh, you've got to, you've got to achieve this much money. Uh, you've got to upgrade Dwight this many times, or you've got to earn this much coffee. Uh, if you do really well, you get given coffee. 
as a as a, as one of the three pre uh, one of the three currencies. So you've got the the money that you earn, like just dollars. You've got the Scott coins. And you've got coffee, and you can use that coffee to upgrade characters so they're better at earning money. Um, you can also use Scott coins to upgrade characters faster if you've not got enough coffee. And the way you get Scott coins is by spending real money. And it's just. It's just fucking shit. It's, it's, sometimes it's not working. Like, I've seen cutscenes. It's got cutscenes where they do jokes from the show, but it's with these horribly animated characters and no no speech at all. So you're just reading the the sentences. Um, but no, none of the characters are written like the characters. They, they're just sort of speaking all... They all sound exactly the same, but some of them make jokes. Uh, it's just... Oh, it's bad. I'm trying to find... what. Where's the picture? Here you go. I've got the pictures I sent to you. Um, it opens with a privacy agreement where they try and sort of be fun with it. And they're like, so Michael says this part is a boring buzzkill, but we'll still need you to accept the privacy and policy in terms of in terms of service. That, that's not how Michael Scott would speak. No, I don't think he would... No, it's not. He wouldn't say, oh, this is a boring buzzkill. It's just not... It's just, but also... I'm not sure if it's legal to suggest to people who are about to read your privacy policy in terms of services that it's a boring buzzkill. That might be... I'm sure they've run it through lawyers, but that, to me, feels like it might be a bit suspect. Or at the very least, it's morally not okay. I, I didn't read it anyway, but to sort of try and encourage you not to read it, it feels weird. Um, and then the way they describe Scott coins to you is Michael Scott speaking to you specifically, and he says... I came up with this fun new motivational tool, Scott Coins. Scott Coins basically turn business into a game. Which, I mean, I, I could appreciate putting your cards on the table and just telling people, hey, we've turned our money making into a game for you. But it's just kind of a bit a bit bleak. And at the end of every episode, you get to do the boss challenge where you go into a room with Michael. You just keep tapping the screen. And the more you tap, the more Scott coins you get. But if Toby shows up, no more Scott coins for you. It's... I see. Toby's the one who doesn't want you to get your Scott coins. Yeah, which is which is not good. Because getting Scott coins is good. And Toby is, a, is, is bad. He doesn't want you to have the Scott coins, which you can pay for. So you, you want to go against Toby to get more Scott coins, especially if it means paying for it. It's it's all the... Did you laugh once? No. I, actually, no, I did laugh when Jim's face and arms went missing. Okay. Because the graphics wouldn't load for him. Or when I got a notification today that said... <laughs> Title test, description test. Which is not... <laughs> It's not a notification. That's a that's a test thing that they've accidentally pu pushed out to everyone who plays the game. It's it's worse than I thought it was going to be, and I thought it was going to be pretty bad. And I'll probably play a bit more just to see what if it changes after the after the tutorial to report back. But God, if this is the legacy of The Office, a show which, for all intents and purposes, I really like and have have and have enjoyed, um, then it's it's real it's real sad and and, and well. It's not ruined as much as the legacy of the other office. <laughs> no, you're so. right. Yeah, you're right. I was thinking about this the other day, and like, I think the stark contrast between both versions of the office is you could never imagine Michael Scott going. I think there's been a rape up there. I guess so, you couldn't yeah. imagine him saying it. Like, there's no way he would he would go that far in that sort of direction. He's an idiot, but he's never. I don't think he's ever that much of a. 
malicious idiot. Um, and that's the difference with the offices for me. You, you, just, you couldn't have it in there. That's the that's my opinions on the office. Somehow we manage a game that, I, regardless of how much an office fan you are, I would hundred percent encourage you not to even go anywhere near. So seven out of ten. Then. Yeah, that's a, that's a good that's a good seven <laughs> seven point five out of ten. Graphics get eight. Oh, you don't want to go too low. Graphics again. get eight. Story. It, it's fun, you know it's functional. You don't want to go to six and below, say for the games which don't even work. Uh, yeah. You finished. You All finished right. Kirby. I finished Kirby Ever Forgotten Land. We also finished, we finished this on Tuesday. Tuesday night. Cal, that game ends with four boss fights in a row. Yeah, that's, that's, if, if, you, if, you want, <laughs> if you don't want the ending of Kirby Ever Forgotten Land spoiled, because it is a bit of a surprise, uh, jump forward five minutes. Um, okay. but, I guess I've done it now. I mean, you've, we've not said what the All bosses right. are. We'll talk more. Yeah. So, okay. the bosses... So I, I've, my, I've finished it. I've not done the post-game world, but they're... The the finale of that game is four boss fights. Yeah, in 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 one go. So you start with King DDD. Never has Kirby felt like more of a souls like. It was challenging as well. Some of those boss fights. Yes, yeah. you start with King DDD, who has two forms. Yeah. Then you go on to a lion guy. Yeah. Have we seen him before in the game? No. Okay, it's just this lion dude. I think maybe. Maybe. Anyway, he's he's the villain. He's fairly tough as well. Yeah. I think I struggle with him the most out of all all four of them. I I think I think one of us died while playing that, and then the one of us was very. I close struggled to with the final final boss. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Um. Then you've got this this horrifying boss of this this giant goo creature. Yep. Like giant so goo. So you go, you go, it gets very dark very quickly at, at this point. Whereas like oh, it turns out this land you're in. Um, you know how Kirby's from Dreamland, where it turns out a, a hundred years or so ago, everyone got to escape this land and go to Dreamland, but some of us got left behind, and we're the remnants of those people who got left behind, and we want to get to Dreamland now. And Kirby's like, fuck that, I'm killing you all. <laughs> and then he proceeds to kill them all. Uh, but the final boss so is like got... a creature that has been is looking for its other half to fuse it and become it, God. Perfect Cell. You have to fight Perfect Cell. Yes, you do. It's fucking great. Um, but when, it, when it's sucking up all the different creatures and then forming this weird amalgamation of the ball, I was like, "This is some body horror shit." This is like really yeah. surprising for this far, this point in the game. Uh, when that's chasing you through the corridors as well, that bit was tough. I mean, it's all it was all tough at this point. But I found that all right. I I but, but I did have the gun. I had the gun, but my partner just because because the, the second character just has a spear yeah she didn't have any effective sort of ranged weapons so it was just a bit frustrating for her but if you didn't have the gun i don't know what you would do just hope for the final, best i guess final boss flame is the best one i found oh really yeah. i can't remember what you sort of found. i died with a gun i died with a sword oh you died yeah i oh, died damn okay yeah, I died twice to that. Maybe boss. I would have died if it didn't have two of us fighting the boss because we were able to get it down quickly enough where I didn't die. But if okay. we didn't, if it wasn't both of us, I might have died that first, the first go round with it. I think that battle, that battle's really cool though. Like there, there's some, there's some really. It's unexpected. It's unexpected. But you are sitting there being like, "When's this going to end? How, <laughs> how long are we going to go?" Yeah, yeah. That that last like boss level takes like an hour to get through. I think. Maybe a little bit long, maybe a little bit less time, less time than that, but um, it's a decent chunk of the time. But that final boss battle, when they're like in the sky, they're chucking meteors down at you. I really, I really liked that. I thought it was really a really cool conclusion. I never worked out how to avoid his beam. 
He has like a beam attack. Um, you just hold down the shield button and just do a dodge, and just keep dodging. Uh-huh. And then it's 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 all right, I think. I can't I can't remember. Uh, the, the finale when you're driving that fucking yep. truck through the space through space though is great. Kirby swallows his biggest low jet <laughs> and um, <laughs> and takes a whole truck in there. And then, yeah, that's good. That's some real Halo 3 stuff. It is some real Halo 3 stuff, although you don't fully get to control it, which is a shame. But um, it, it fit that game very well. Quick time events? Yeah, I, I chucked my controller over to my partner for that to let, let her do it. Because it seemed like the exciting bit for her to do. Okay. I enjoyed it. I thought That's nice of you. I th- yeah, I know. I thought, I, I'd done the boss battle. She could do this bit. Um, I yeah, I thought I thought it was a really really good game. I really I really yeah, enjoyed it. I'm overall. looking forward to the post game world. It seems like they're like remixes of previous levels. Okay. Is my is my thinks my my thinks. I, I I missed a blueprint, and immediately before the final level, you also fight four previous bosses. You do in different levels. Yeah, uh, and I've. I missed a blueprint on that level, and I have a feeling I will never get it because I'm never fighting that fucking armadillo again. That's the worst boss. That's the armadillo. Armadillo is the worst. Is the boss. most frustrating boss in that game. It's because he moves so erratically. Yeah, he moves erratically. He's constantly chucking things at you, and he's big as well, yeah. so it's very difficult to dodge that stuff. Yeah, I, I found yeah. the armadillo very frustrating. Originally, I, I a thought bit where he like rolls in a ball and he rolls you dodge, and then immediately he rolls back again, and you've got to be fucking on it. Yeah, you have to be really on. It. like there's there's a lot of um you need you need to be there's a lot of quick responses you need for that which is I, I was looking at a thing today about how nintendo designs their games you know the first thing they design for with the control scheme for their games is for children's hands and the idea okay. is that you, you you like all of the games should be able to be played by by children essentially which is why like the switch controllers are so are, are, are small and if you want to buy the adult controller or the pro controller that's sold separately um, because they think they think first and foremost it should work for kids and then adults get the other options beyond that which I thought was really cool and that's quite encapsulated quite well in Kirby until the fucking armadillo boss where I'm like there's no way kids uh, have, the, have the reflex and things to very quickly switch between fighting and then shielding and dodging out of the way maybe they do but not very young kids anyway mm-hmm. overall though good game really enjoyed it Kirby's good yeah. game yeah. Uh, I think that's definitely so far in my top 10 um, yeah, had, a, had, a, had a good time with it Let's. If you've come back for for avoiding the Kirby spoilers, you might want to go and you don't and you don't want to hear Better Call Saul spoilers. Uh, maybe jump forward ten minutes because we're going to talk about Better Call Saul. A now. bad podcast for Kirby and Better Call Saul fans. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> not if you've not watched it. Yeah. If you've not watched it, I hope you'll come back later and <laughs> listen to our thoughts. Yeah, I mean it's been by the time the podcast goes out, it's been almost a week. So if you are a big Better Call Saul fan, I imagine you would have watched it at this point anyway. Uh, the mid-season finale. Happened. Happened. Yeah. Uh, um, which, as a as an um, episode as a whole, I thought was absolutely brilliant in terms of the execution of everything that happened. I thought it was all absolutely, really, really excellent. Um, Howard. But there's one execution yeah. at the end. <laughs> you weren't so keen on. Yeah. So if you if you are don't want to don't want to hear this, jump forward ten minutes, starting now. Hamlin fucking dies. Howard fucking dies, and I'm so disappointed i didn't like it i didn't like it oh it's um i didn't like it and as we were discussing because what does his death narratively accomplish okay so i guess this is people who if you have listened but you don't because you haven't seen it but you don't care about best course all spoilers jimmy and uh, and kim 
they pull off their plan to like humiliate Howard and also like get him to settle the sandpaper case. All Which right. I forgot then... was a big part of the plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then at the end of the end of the episode, Howard comes to the apartment drunk to sort of confront them. And then Lalo walks in. Lalo's a guy who's been who's line. been who's been after them for a little bit. Drug, drug kingpin yeah. and violent man and you know he kills Howard uh, because Howard's gonna talk obviously if he sees him. Uh so the execution of that scene yeah. in general, I thought, was really effective. It was tense. It was well done. It was well written. And Howard's realization of like, oh, what have I got? What am I in? What's going on here? Like, <laughs> sort of originally is like, oh, he's just joking around. Oh, you want to speak to your lawyer? You should get some new lawyers. Then he sees the gun. And he's like, oh, you're in the middle of something. And just sort of like, you could see in his head just trying to figure out what's actually happening. <laughs> he, he had. I I saw that. I thought. That's a calorie, actually. Yeah. That you would be yeah. like, I'm in the middle yeah. of something. I shouldn't. I should, yeah. oh, I'm, I should. I'm just going to take my leave. Yeah. But he doesn't know how to leave at this point. You, you would do like you're doing an awkward leave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this it's it's just evident. I, I I get. I think narratively. It doesn't add anything. I do think it, uh, all it accomplishes is shock yeah. or like a cliffhanger. It would be more of a cliffhanger if we hadn't seen him die and they, they would leave it on that. But it's like shock. It's like a talk. It's a moment that's going to get talked about on social media. Okay. I've seen people say this, but, is, a, this is one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen. I was like, is it or are you just surprised? But Howard's death doesn't come as a result of his own actions. In fact, very much the opposite is, is a result of Jimmy's actions. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, th- I think someone dying, an innocent sort of dying because of that, there's nothing wrong with that being the result of causing someone's death. I a rare example of a man being fridged. Yes. Uh, I, I think which like whatever. It, it, my issue with it partly is, one, Howard is such a good character that the end of him did not need to be this way. I get that he's not in Breaking Bad, or you don't see him in Breaking Bad, but one, like, you don't what are we need meant to. to take away from this. Yeah. Um, Other than Jimmy's gone too far, which we kind of already know. It feels very much like the writers being like, we've got to, we, you know, why doesn't Hamlet appear in Breaking Bad? We've got no good explanation, so we've got to tie, we've got to kill him off. This is. We've got to tie up a loose end. I might do a video on this, because this is my issue with. I think a lot of things being made now is that fans of shows have got to the point where they need answers on everything. It's the answer to cinema sins. It's the answer. As I think it's, you it's, said it's before. TV shows um, and movies trying to preempt their fans. Yeah, but also just feeling like like the best way to make money, I suppose, is to be is to do these prequel series or midquel series. Like you look at Star Wars and fucking everything in a thirty year period is explained in that show. You know what Luke Skywalker had for breakfast every day of his life at this point. Uh, and it's just like yeah, that blue milk. Exactly. If you don't, if it's not shown, then it it's not explained, and that's a plot hole. If you if you don't explain where everything going on is, one of my favourite pieces of fiction of, of 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 creative writing or anything is Harold Pinter's The Birthday Party, a, a play I, I performed when I was nineteen years old, but it's it's one that I was already a fan of beforehand, and to be honest, a lot of Harold Pinter's stuff in that in that play and in most of his plays. You, you, you meet the characters when things are already happening to them. Something's gone on in the past, they're doing some stuff now, they talk a little bit about it, and then at the end, these characters are uh, almost taken away, but not definitively ended. There's there's no definitive end point no, to the play. You're seeing a window a, into their life, and that's it's good. It's a poor player who stretches and frets 
frets and struts his hour upon the stage. Yeah, exactly. And you're seeing a window into the characters' lives. And afterwards, you can think about what could have happened next. You can think about what happened beforehand, but you don't get all the answers. And that's okay. It turns out that's actually maybe more interesting sometimes than getting the answers. Basically, go to the theatre more is our... Well, yeah, I guess, I guess so, but I, I don't think that's necessarily just... I, I don't yeah. think just plays, you know, are the result of that. But, yeah, like, yeah. in the in the past, sometimes it was enough that something would end and you wouldn't have every piece of information that, about uh, that thing. I mean, who, who was it that said, imagine if Back to the Future opened with 40 minutes explaining how Doc and Marty became friends? Right? Or imagine if they did a prequel <laughs> film or series now explaining that. Because that's what that's what you that, need. That's not the interesting part. Of it's the story. not the interesting. I mean, Better Call Saul is a very interesting part of the Breaking Bad story. I, I think fleshing out the character of Saul, of Saul Goodman, Jimmy McGill, is very good, and a lot of this stuff is very good. But you don't need to explain every single little thing, and you don't need to preempt everything by going, "Well, this character's not around. We've got to kill them off." Killing someone off yeah, is well, is even before even separate to all of this. I think. The idea that you need to kill a character off in order for their ending to be interesting is so boring. Also, like to me, like the logical end of how of how a story is either getting clean and like improving his life, or is this like fucking moving away because it's yeah. like, uh, well, my marriage has ended and it's it's him being <laughs> I'm like in this stupid feud with Jimmy. It's the the perfect for me, the ending for that was him going, "You won, Jimmy. Are you happy now?" and Jimmy realizing one Jimmy. No, I'm not enjoy, happy. Enjoy yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Practice. I hope it makes like, you very happy. You know what, Jimmy? <laughs> I will bounce back on my feet. You've ruined me here. I'll bounce back. Things will be fine for me. But you are soulless, and I hope it's made you happy. And then Jimmy and Kim realizing actually, yeah, this hasn't. We need to do more. You know, how, how would we go on? Come down with exactly. You? If anything, Jimmy needs to. Jimmy, <laughs> like, it, it would be an instigator for Jimmy to do even more in that, go even more in the criminal direction, because even that wasn't enough. Yeah. Uh, also, Jimmy is way more of a bastard yeah. uh, because he carried on uh, in his criminal like shenanigans after he got a guy killed. I mean, we'll see where the final episodes end up in a couple of months, but maybe there's something more in that where he feels like an obligation to keep doing it for whatever reason. But right now, it very much just looks like he got someone who, for all intents and purposes, has always been nice to him killed. Yeah. For his own actions. So... It feels like it's the case, and it, this is a problem that kind of goes throughout the series. For all that I like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, you, you get these moments where the writers clearly didn't know what to do with a character, and then they're like, all right, they're dead. It's The thing is, I think it's more than that. I think the uh, the death of a character, um, the sort of like putting the final nail in the coffin, one is useful to make sure they don't need to come back in the future, but also it's become such a a selling point for people it's the only way people can think to end a story for a character I do think Game of Thrones is partly responsible for this like with with Game of Thrones it was like one of the first mainstream shows there was definitely some before but where the death of a character certainly in the early seasons meant something and the idea that no one was safe was shocking and in the later series it became with who's gonna die next Who's going to go? The, the narrative purpose, and I guess this is spoilers for Game of Thrones now, but it's been 20 years <laughs> books and TV shows. If you not, if you don't care anyway, uh, the point of Ned Stark dying in Game of Thrones is it is like it's the end of the first book and you've been set up to follow this like 
hero story and it's like no that's not kind of it's letting you know what to expect for future books it's the yeah. cliffhanger where it's like that's not the kind of world we're living in being stupid gets you killed and the later seasons became oh everyone gets killed off who's gonna die next so everyone like, can everyone's die. excited about, oh i think this person's gonna die like the, the result the end result end point that anyone ever thought about for any character was and then they die and that then that suddenly became a selling point for many things i think about guardians of the galaxy 3 which is not out yet but in the writing process before any trailer has, has even been considered before anything had even been filmed james gunn was out there with news outlets being someone's gonna die in guardians of the galaxy 3 you're like fucking oh, great you couldn't think of the end for another character for 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 dave bautista because he's leaving so you just have to kill his character like you can't think of an ending for this character that is that is narratively satisfying other than and then they die in a dramatic way and everyone's shocked and sad it's just everyone posts on social media about how it broke yeah right it's if, if you come back in and we're still talking about this stuff because i'm in a, i'm on a rant it's, now we're nearly done we're nearly done but i'm on a rant now but it's the it's just a, it's it's to me I I'm incredibly bored of the of the the death porn that is that is a thing in in so many big shows at the moment. It's, everyone's just thinking and then this character's going to die. Better Call Saul official Twitter account last week tweeted out I am more worried for Kim Wexler than for most of my friends and family. And it's just like it's just an advertising thing of this character might die. It's just it's just literally just milking your your fears and your and your your shock uh, the the idea of them dying for for as much views as it is possible and it's it's so boring uh, there's to a me. good you, do you remember red versus Blue? yes yeah uh there's a very very early on in that series there's a very good thing where like post for show they're like next week and it cuts to a specific character called uh griff someone cuts again cuts again yes uh, yeah griff Will yeah. Griff die, Griff, and then cut to dear God, I hope it's Griff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even back then, you're like, and that's what it feels exactly like. It does, yeah, a hundred percent. And it's just, it's the most boring way to get rid of a character. I think in, that you can think of. If you can't think of another way to narratively end a character, I don't, I don't know. It's. I'm not suggesting the writers are better called Soul or bad writers or anything, because a hundred percent they are not. It has some of the best writing, certainly of dialogue, of any show that I've seen. But I mean, I'm really unhappy with the way that ended. Not because I don't think it's... It's Howard especially, even in that final scene, they really lay it on thick with how hard his life is. Like, I get he's he's doing quite well, but this is a man who is nice to all of his staff. We see it earlier in the episode. He is nice to everyone he meets. Sometimes overly nice, but I think it comes across as genuine at the very least. I do think he intends to be nice and to be kind to people. He's he's having troubles with his wife. His 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 mentor has died. I know Chuck was an asshole, but he was he was Howard's mentor. He he is struggling with with mental health issues. <laughs> he's not going through a good time right now and then he gets fucking murdered as well because of something he didn't do on top of people fucking playing pranks on him and ruining his career it's just it's just misery for this guy and I don't know what why why did that did that I think that stuff's okay but the idea of then killing him at the end of it as well and hey he gets no no sort of like relaxation from any of that. It just he goes through all of that shit and then he's dead. Big shock. I was really, I was really did not enjoy 
that part of it for for a show that I enjoy the rest of that bit. And I was I, I was on the cycle home beforehand. I was like, Howard's probably gonna die. I was I was thinking either Howard's gonna die tonight. Like I I thought they're gonna make him commit suicide after his career fell apart. That would have been like the worst ending. That would have been like even worse than him just being murdered. I think. Um, but I thought either Howard's gonna die or Kim's gonna die, and that'll be the big mid-season finale twist. It turns out that I was partly right. Um, yeah, that's my. Have you got any more thoughts to add, Scott? No, that's fine. Cool. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's Better Call Saul mid-season finale. We've got four more episodes in two months' time. I think. I think. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'm still looking forward to where it goes. Um, I'm looking forward to see how they uh, bring Walt and Jesse back in some sort of interesting way because you guarantee it's going to happen and I hope it's not just shoehorned in what would be the worst way to bring Walt and Jesse back for you? Uh, you just see them eating chicken. Oh, you just see like, like in the like, background, just eating chicken. So it's just like a yeah, and it's not, and it's like not even Pyro's Hermano. It's just like a KFC bucket, right? It's just, but they, that, they, they take it onto the set. <laughs> That's the worst way they could bring them back for you. Is it just in the background? Uh, <laughs> no, that would be awesome. I guess it's like bumping into like Jimmy goes into like the car wash yeah. that Walter worked at, yeah. and he's like, "Hello, I'm Walter White. I work at this yeah. car wash." Yeah. Or it's set in the the modern the the present, and it turns out Watt's still alive would be the worst one for me, and he gets Jimmy out of it or something because Jimmy's been discovered. Ugh. Oh, oh, Walt's still being alive, but no, that's the end of Breaking. I back. know, but so that would be the worst way to bring him back, right? Yeah, is he's still alive and he's helping Jimmy out, and he's saying, "I wait to Gus Fring, Gus Fring and Walt are still alive. <laughs> they, they like we made up, and they high five. They want him to join the Avengers." <laughs> Did you know that um, the Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul is a meme right now? Like, just referencing what? it is a no. meme. So I saw a, a tweet earlier about uh, there's going to be a Persona 5 announcement this week or something. And people responding to it with, oh my god, are they going to put Persona 5 in Better Call Saul? Oh my god, is is, is Walt, Walter White going to be in Persona 5? And that's the joke? Mm-hmm. And like, I think it started with um, someone did like a mock-up video of Saul Goodman being Peter Parker's lawyer in the latest Spider-Man. And from that, what? it's just been a meme of... And the meme is just... <laughs> the meme is literally just Saul Goodman. Like, it's just... It's just okay. And what if he was here? I don't... It's a thing you liking or something else. No, but I don't think... I don't think they're saying it's something that they like. I think they're making fun of it, but I don't understand it. This is one of the first times I've seen it, like a full-on like meme thing and just been like, I have no idea what the joke here is. I, I couldn't even guess what the joke is. It's very odd. Should we do some news? We've got three bits of news yeah. to get through before the podcast ends. Right. Okay. The first one's a big... That's a good way to think The of first it. one's a big one. A big good All one. Right. Do you want to go through this one? Yeah. Raven Software QA Group becomes the first US major video game union. Yes. Go with the original story Indeed. first. So the QA staff, um, Raven Software, as we've covered on this podcast, and obviously it's been covered elsewhere, uh, have um, voted to unionise. They voted to unionise um, several months ago, uh, but Activision Blizzard King refused to recognise um, that unionisation in January, even though the majority, a super majority of QA testers voted to form the union. Uh, so the next step was to go to the Department of Labour for the, um, I think it's California, is where they're based, and... Um, 
uh, to force the company to recognise. And that's happened. The, uh, the Department of Labour has forced the, uh, the company to recognise the union uh, because it is a legitimate union. Um, so that's good, and that confers upon the unionised workforce uh, some additional legal protections, uh, which is definitely good. Obviously, the strength of the union still remains in the active participation of the workers, uh, but it's good that they've got that recognition, and hopefully this is an important step and other people can emulate them. Uh, shout out to them. I think this... Either this happened very recently before the last podcast or it happened in, in between. Uh, Amazon Union as well. Yes, yeah. Also great. Shout out to the Amazon Union. I say shout out like that. Maybe they are. That's also Maybe. Um, but, you know, that, that was great as well. So we've seen a couple of really big uh, victories there. And indeed, quite rightly, they went ahead without the company and uh, went to the Department of Labour. Uh, so that's great. Uh, meanwhile, Activision Blizzard released a... Uh, Typical corporate statement. Uh, we respect and believe in the right of all employees to decide whether or not to support or vote for a union. Do you now? Yeah, apparently. Uh, we believe that an important decision that will impact the entire Raven Software studio of 350 people should not be made by 19 employees. Well, I agree, and I think more people should join that union. <laughs> so, yeah, is, is, this, uh, is it literally just those 19 in our part of the union? or Well, because those are the people... Um, in the software, so basically, um, no. So yeah, because I don't understand. I don't understand how like the idea of forming a union works. So I'm, I'm, I'm a bit curious. No, like, so, so, so it's a union. So it's the, um, they're calling themselves the Game Workers Alliance. Uh, the bargaining unit is the QA department, right? And of that QA department, nineteen uh, voted for to vote a union, and three voted against. So it's an overwhelming majority voted for. Um, so, so basically, the QA department we can surmise from this uh, is twenty. Um, what was it? Twenty um, two employees. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and nineteen voted for the union. So that that's the bargaining unit. Uh, Raven Software. I assume more people can join it, but that was. Um, yeah. That that's uh, those are people who comprise the union currently, okay. which is, as far as being told, the QA software department, the QA department at Raven. Still good though. Uh, it's, it's Activision good. Blizzard uh, has said those those employees. Yeah. I mean, I I like that they say this like by nineteen employees, but it's okay for unaccountable yeah. uh, executives to make decisions. Yeah, right? absolutely. No, true. Truly, the only the only recourse is just let the executives have all the power. There's nothing else we can do. Of course, it ultimately doesn't I, really I've... matter what the uh, heads of Activision Blizzard just want here because they're going to be going over to, <laughs> going over to Xbox yeah, soon anyway. But... Um, I've heard all this before. But also, uh, um, Phil Spencer, who's obviously going to be their new big boss, has said he recognises the union and will support it when it comes across well, Xbox. Microsoft said that they would recognise the union if um, if like they have legal recognition. Which they do. Which they now yeah. do. So. so, doesn't matter what, what Activision Blizzard say. Anyway, fuck Activision Blizzard King and all power to the union. Hope they continue to grow and um, fight for their You've got to imagine this means that others will follow suit. I hope so. Yeah. I really hope so. It should happen. Um, anything else you want to say about that? No, that's just good bit of good news. Some funny news. Uh, remember when Nintendo did the N sixty four part of the uh, online Switch Online thing, like the N sixty four and people kicked off because it turns out the games were running at, at the PAL frame rate, so fifty fifty yeah. hertz. Um, well, Sony, as part of their PS Plus, has brought in a bunch of classic PlayStation games, which they emulated oh, yeah. the console. And it looks to be uh, the are also the power European versions, right. which are running at a lower frame rates and are thus ultimately worse as a yeah, result. Um, 
Well, 50... Okay. Yeah, 50 um, hertz, which also ends up being... 25, 25 instead of 30 FPS. Hertz is an analogue kind of Yes. Thing. So, uh, apparently they've not learned from Nintendo stickers. Nintendo, I think, eventually did add in the 60 hertz option, but you couldn't play it with, like, French yeah. language and whatnot. Um, I think the reason they go for the PAL format is because it's it's already got all of those language options built in. So it's just the easiest way to chuck those in there. Um, yeah. It's just, I don't know, it's just kind of embarrassing, isn't it? And they want to do a minimum amount of effort on these ROM ports. Yeah, for something they want to charge you more money, money for. for them. They want, it wants yeah. to be a big sort of advertising point for the new, for the new service, but not... This is this is the attitude of a company that doesn't think you want to play these games. They can't imagine. They can't imagine. Just think you want to own. They yeah. can't imagine that you'd want to. Not or not even own. Them. They can't imagine yeah. that you'd want to that you'd want to give these games the light yeah. of day when you could be playing the newest Horizon game or the new God of War or Last of Us or whatever. Those are the new big games. Why why do you want to go back and play fucking Ape Escape, you idiots? That's basically what what it feels like with this. Um, because it's because Ape Escape's more fun than those games. Escape is good. good. Doesn't have any microtransactions in it either, even at fifty hertz. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You're right. Uh, although those, those games I listed didn't have microtransactions in them, but yeah. Escape is a is a I, fun game. I mean, fifty hertz is how we remember. Them, it though. is uh, like when I so I played S Zero X on the Nintendo Switch Online system recently, and because it's now running at sixty hertz, the things I have sort of like ingrained in my memory. It's going faster than that. So the countdown to to a to a race, three, two, one, go. In my memory, it goes quite slowly, and then suddenly I'm playing here, and it just goes oh, right. three, two, one, go, and I'm like, whoa, what's going Are on you here? Sure, that's not an artifact of your memory. It might be, than... but it definitely. But like yeah. the whole thing runs slower at the at 50 hertz than it does on the 60 hertz version. So I think it's partly, probably a bit of both. But it it does feel weird playing these games that I played so much when I was younger. A slightly higher frame rate. It, it's it's not because it's not just a higher frame rate. Everything runs faster, so the sound effects, the music, and everything runs faster as well. It's odd. Mm. It's it's a hard. It's hard to. It's a hard thing to describe. Um, but ultimately, PAL versions are the worst versions, and it's just funny seeing another company walk into this and just be like, "Yeah, is the is the PAL versions?" I think they did the same with the PlayStation Mini, which released in in, in all territories. I think it, that came with the PAL versions as well. So. Clearly, they didn't care about the backlash from that, and just thought, "Fuck it, let's just do it again." We got them good. We got them running. Let's just chuck them on there. Probably not worth upgrading to that anytime soon. And then the final story is is made my my favorite. I think it's my favorite of the stories, personally. Seth Green's been known. Seth Green has been known. So it turns out, Seth Green, who I've not thought about for years, um, is big big on nfts um like like the bored apes and your how embarrassing yeah. um so much so that he was making a who frames roger rabbit style tv show where the nfts that he owns live in the real world and the, the premise of the tv show is what if bored ape 4994 oh sorry no bored ape yacht club number 8398 what if he was just your friendly neighborhood bartender? And that's the premise of the show. See. And you go to the bar and his bored ape would be talking to you. And like, that was the premise of the show, which I mean, on its own is fucking like, what if that, I don't give a shit. I don't give uh, a shit. I, I wouldn't go to that bar. It's bizarre. <laughs> How's that a premise of a show? What if this cartoon I drew was, was your bartender? 
I don't know. I don't know. But uh, what's in, in a great twist to this to this uh, tale? Um, he fell for a phishing scam and had all of his NFTs stolen. Uh, and, and these these NFTs, when they were stolen, were, were then sold again on the on the crypto markets and bought up by someone called Dark Darkwing Darkwing eighty four. Um, so that person who Darkwing eighty four has now locked it in a vault. He own or they they own these NFTs now. It doesn't matter that they're stolen. According to the crypto, no Darkwing eighty four owns them, and so Seth Green no longer has the legal rights to make this TV show. About his about these NFTs, but my my question is, did he ever have the legal rights? I, yeah, I don't know. Owning the NFT doesn't confer copyright. Like this is well established. So I, I think legally, owning it an was NFT unsure. is just owning a a digital token yeah. that points to a URL. Yeah. So like, and my question is like, and this was brought up on Twitter by Dan Olson who made that NFT documentary. Like, Seth Green's ape is identical to another ape uh, that was created, apart from a background colour. Yeah. So, like... And also, like, Seth Green's ape has no clothes, but other apes have clothes, so... And they have identical features. So, like, trying to put clothes on them, you run into very difficult copyright territory. Like, imagine trying to litigate that these apes, who are identical, apart from a different facial expression and clothes, are, like, distinct characters. Yep. But he was gonna, and he was gonna make that TV show. Uh, he was gonna. He was gonna. He hasn't. Yeah, and, and now, and now he definitely can't. Now he one hundred percent can't make that TV show. But it's already made, and he just has to cancel it now, which <laughs> is very, very funny. I like that he's standing by his crypto principle. He's like, I lost the NFT. I can't yeah. pick it. You could probably still put it out, Seth. He probably could. Don't do it. Um, his lawyers have advised him not to. Uh. Because they, they, they don't because this sort of stuff is not tested in a court of law there yet. I don't think they want to risk that. Because um, it wouldn't fly. It probably wouldn't fly. Neither will his TV show. I think it's very funny, and I love every time I see an NFT person get their comeuppance, especially in this way. It's I just I just imagine being so creatively broken that you, this was the idea for a new TV show. Does what is what you made a bunch of people spend money on? <laughs> it's just. I don't get it, man, and I will never get it. But I, I enjoy how far this is this has fallen. I wonder how Jimmy Fallon's NFT is doing. Did you see that? That on uh, on his show, he like on on his show, he uh, he had Paris Hilton on, and they just did a whole mm-hmm. bit about how they had both bought NFTs, and they showed pictures of their NFTs on the show, and they both just seemed so bored talking about it, but acting like it's the coolest thing ever. And it's just re- it was really weird. It was really bizarre. NFTs are bad. That's the that's the end of the podcast. Unless there's anything you want to add, Scott. Nah, that's all right. Good stuff. I'm good. Well, Scott, thank you very much. But let's leave it on NFT bros being owned. Yeah, that's, that sounds good. Uh, what have we learned on this podcast today, Scott? Uh, we've learned don't um, don't lose your apes if you do have apes. Or your passport uh, if you do have if a passport. Or your passport. If only you had an NFT of your passport, then you could, <laughs> all your problems would be solved. Uh, <laughs> Anything else? Well, no, because you can lose an NFT like you lost your passport. Uh, I mean, what um, have we learned? Um, we've learned uh, you're going to read the Horus Heresy, yep. and um, and uh, don't 
uh, get involved in a convoluted drug plot. No, don't do that. You might get shot in the head. Um, <laughs> right. Scott, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that we. I'm glad we do this podcast together, and I'm glad we have been talking yeah, to each other. Right. for Eighty episodes now. Oh my That's god! That's crazy. That's a crazy number. That's Twenty more, and we'll be at one hundred. Yeah. What are we going to do for 100? I don't know. I, I was always thinking maybe we'll get every guest we've ever had back onto it, but that's so that's so many people <laughs> at this point that so it would just be impossible. So I don't know. Uh, maybe just do a normal episode? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Normal episode. In 20 episodes Coming, time. Yeah. In 40 weeks, basically uh, a year. And but, but before that, you've got 19 normal episodes to go. So yes, that's true. Have to endure that. Enjoy, enjoy those. Well, thank you very much for listening. All right. Scott, thanks for talking to me. See you both. See you both. See you all. All my children. In two weeks' time. (laughs) Goodbye. Love you. Bye.